We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. Hoops Tonight is presented by FanDuel. The NBA is back and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. This is my favorite sports betting app that is out there. It is safe and easy to use, easy to get your money in and out. I love that cash out feature. So if you're in good shape with one of your bets and you don't want to risk garbage time, you can get your money out quickly. Use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this NBA season. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. one 877 Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume, live on AMP. Happy Thursday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. We've almost made it to the weekend. Only two more shows before we take a couple of days off. Today, we're going to be doing our first edition of Power Rankings 
for this year. My game plan is to do these about every two weeks. And then in the off weeks, we'll do a show each week where we go over the top 10 players that have been impressing me the most over the course of the previous two weeks. You know, before the season, we did power rankings, and I intended for that to be more of like who's my team that I think is going to perform the most, uh, perform the best over the course of the season, like championship contenders. I want these during the season power rankings and during the season, you know, MVP rankings or top 10 players, whatever we're going to call them. I want them to be more of like a who's playing the best as of late. And so it's going to be a lot more shuffling, a lot more movement up and down on each list. A couple of basic rules. It's just going to be who's playing the best basketball right now. And then I'm going to give a little bit more of a leash to teams that I think have more playoff legitimacy. So for the Warriors, for instance, it's going to take more bad for me to stop believing in them. And it's going to take less good for me to start believing in them again. For instance, Utah is playing really good basketball. I don't have them in my top 10, I don't think they're a top 10 team in this league. Boston is four and three and uh, Golden State is three and five, but I both have them on my list. So it's going to be a combination of recent success mixed with what I believe in as your ceiling. And without any further ado, let's start with number 10, the Golden State Warriors. They are three and five, 17th in offense, 24th in defense and 24th in net rating. They have not played well to start this year. They're still my championship favorite, but I am just ever so slightly starting to lean towards the Bucks. And if things keep trending this way, if the Bucks keep dominating and the Warriors continue to struggle, I will switch my pick to them. But for now, I'm still hanging with Golden State as my championship favorite. The only reason I have them on this list still, instead of off the list entirely right now, is their starting lineup is still whooping everybody's ass. So as long as they have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney, and Draymond Green on the floor, they have a 127.4 offensive rating, which is amazing, a 98 defensive rating, which is amazing, which leads to a plus 29.3 net rating. So the Warriors are kicking everybody's ass as long as they have their starters on the floor. That's your silver lining. That's why I still have them in my top 10. That's your biggest sign of optimism if you're a Warriors fan. The problem is, is their bench is a catastrophe, and it's not just James Wiseman's fault. The whole group can't defend. They put four bad perimeter defenders around James Wiseman, and he's not Anthony Davis, so he's not going to clean up all of those messes. A couple of things that should fix this is getting minutes restrictions dropped from Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. Getting Andre Iguodala into the lineup a little bit might help. And then the reality is, is that they might need to look to get one more veteran piece. I don't know if that's in the trade market or in the buyout market, but they're going to need to get one more veteran piece on their bench to uh, give them a little bit more defensive talent there. And then honestly, Steve Kerr isn't doing enough to stagger those lineups so that there's a little more overlap between the starters and the bench players so that the deck isn't so stacked against them when they get into those settings. Uh, A couple of uh, signs for optimism. Steph looks better than ever. Um, I think this is the best he's been, so that's something to be optimistic about. Clay Thompson this year is 15 for 57 on catch-and-shoot threes, which is horrific, and that will almost certainly improve. They're good looks. Clay's going to start making shots. And then Draymond is still the world-beating defender that we've always thought of him to be. Uh, The reality is is they're 27th in half-court defense right now, according to Cleaning the Glass, so they just need to start defending better, particularly with their bench lineups. All right, number nine, the Chicago Bulls. They are 5-4. and four. They are 22nd in offense, but they are 7th in defense. And a huge part of that is their backcourt. 
being bolstered by Ayo Desunmu, who has made the Lonzo Ball injuries way less painful because he's just killing it on both ends of the floor, kind of recapturing that defensive dynamic they had early last year with Caruso and Lonzo Ball on the floor. Now it's Desunmu and, and, and Caruso that are kind of accomplishing that same thing. As a result, they're ninth in net rating. They had a really impressive road win in Brooklyn coming from behind the other night. Zach Levine just absolutely torched them. They defend the paint very well. They don't foul. They force 17.6 turnovers per 100 possessions, which leads the league. And then DeMar DeRozan has been great as usual. And then Zach Levine has been shooting really, really well from the three-point line. He talked the other night about how he wants to finish a little bit better around the rim, but the reality is, is he's still giving you all of that great pull-up shooting that we've come become accustomed to uh, with Zach Levine. And he was the one who got hot and beat the Nets the other night. I don't view them as a legit contender, But I do think we need to acknowledge that they're playing really good basketball to start the season, and they belong on this list. All right, number eight, the New Orleans Pelicans. Sixth in offense, 12th in defense, sixth in net rating. They're four and three, despite only getting six combined games out of Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones due to injuries. Herb Jones is their best defensive player, and Brandon Ingram is their best offensive player, and he's also a very good defender. So that's a huge influx of talent that should be coming soon. Uh, I'm really enjoying Jose Alvarado off the bench. He's one of uh, my favorite backup point guards in the league to watch. Just the little things he does to impact the game defensively and the way he uses speed and and intricate shot making in the lane to make up for his lack of size makes him fun to watch. CJ McCollum is playing really well. He stole a game earlier. uh, I think it was last week against the Dallas Mavericks by going crazy and high pick and roll in the fourth quarter. Trey Murphy is shooting 48% from three on six attempts per game. And then Zion Williamson, just like he did in 2021, is making nine shots per game in the restricted area, albeit on a lower percentage uh, than he did in that particular season. But he's starting to, he's missing a lot of shots he usually makes. I expect that to go up. Uh, Willie Green's doing a really nice job with this group. They're playing hard. They play smart. If they get healthy, which they should, although a couple of their guys, Ingram and um, Zion in particular, I've always had a little bit of a concern with them, their ability to stay on the court. If they can get healthy, I think they have a, a really good chance to be a home court team in the first round in the Western Conference. All right, number seven, the Dallas Mavericks. They're four and three. Kind of, uh, They kind of remind me of how I feel about Boston because they blew a couple of winnable games, so the record doesn't look great, but they've actually kind of outplayed uh, their opponent in like six of their seven games. They blew a game late against Phoenix. They should have won. Um, and, and then they blew a game against the Pelicans that they had no business losing when they were undermanned at home. They're second in offense right now, 14th in defense, fifth in net rating. Lucas scoring has been the story of the early season. They lost Jalen Brunson, and all he's done is just tick up his own usage. For the first time in his career, he's got a usage rate over 40%. He's actually at 41% right now. And the wild part is that even though he's ticked up his efficiency or his uh, usage, his efficiency has gone up with it. Typically, when players go up in usage, they get more fatigued. They have to take tougher shots, and so your efficiency tanks. But that could not be further from the truth. He's got a 61% true shooting percentage right now, which is the highest mark of his career, despite the fact that he's shooting terrible from three. So far this season, uh, he's only shooting 25% on pull-up threes. He hasn't made a catch-and-shoot three all season But he's just making everything else that he's taking. He's 57% on pull-up twos, 71% in the restricted area, 66% in the paint outside the restricted area, and 47% overall in the mid-range, which is just all insane 
uh, marks for a player like him. He's also taking care of the basketball better than ever before. He's averaging a career high in assists and a career low in turnovers right now. Uh, so to go up in usage and to see him increase his efficiency and take better care of the basketball, that's pretty unheard of. And as soon as he starts knocking down these step-back threes, it's going to get really ugly for everybody. I think I think there's a couple of big reasons that are driving this. First of all, he came into the season in shape thanks to Eurobasket. And I think that's a big part of this. Uh, most season he plays his way into shape, comes in a little bit overweight. He looks great right away this year. And you're seeing that with his rim finishing and all of his short range shots, which so typically rely on lift. And then I think a big part of it too, is just mastering this style of offense. Uh, yes, they brought in JaVale McGee, but by bringing in Christian Wood, they've given themselves more five out options and they've just kind of nailed their spacing concepts and everyone knows where they're supposed to be. Um, and Luca just kind of makes the right play every time you leave him on an Island. He's going to score. If you send help, he's going to kick the shooters and they really have a lot of continuity now and their offense is rolling. Um, Dwight Powell needs to get a random shout out. I was much maligned this summer for saying that I thought he defended really well for Dallas in the playoffs. Um, and you know, Mavericks fans were like, Oh, actually he's not that good defensively. And, And don't get me wrong. He had some struggles over the years. I was just, you know, I started with the volume in February, started covering the Mavericks really in like April. And so I really only watched them during that playoff run. And I was impressed by what I saw from Dwight Powell defensively. He had a great defensive game last night against Utah and hung up plus 25. Uh, Christian Wood is still providing offensive punch. Spencer Dinwiddie is thriving in that secondary creative role. The couple of areas for improvement for Dallas, their, peri- their perimeter defense right now is, is, is not great. And it wasn't great last year either, but they just were really good rotating out of it. Um, that's going to be an issue for them. It became an issue for them against Golden State. It's been an, it's going to continue to be an issue for them until they kind of um, um, figure out a way to get Luka Doncic to contain the ball a little bit better, right? Um, but they had to go zone a lot this year to throw teams out of rhythm. They had to do it again last night against Utah. And then they're 24th in transition defense. It's another big area for improvement. And then I still think, you know, when it comes to super high usage guys, it's just a dangerous way to go without getting them more backup ball handling. So I'd still like to see them find one more reliable dribble creator. They're another team that like if Kyrie Irving were to get cut by the Nets, um, them and the Lakers are the two teams that I would seriously consider looking at Kyrie, even though he comes with all that baggage, just because they so desperately need another dribble creator. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Juan Gabriel, Juan Gis, Selena, Selena, Celia Cruz, Azúcar, Carol G, La Bichota, Cristina Aguilera, Extina, just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, number six, the Portland Trailblazers. They're 5-2, and two, 11th in offense, 11th in defense, and 8th in net rating. The biggest driving force for them offensively right now is their manufacturing easy offense at the free throw line and in transition. Dame and Jer- uh, Jeremy Grant are attempting 15 free throws per game. Portland as a team makes 22.2 free throws per game, which leads the league. And then they're second in fast break points scored per 100 possessions at 17.6. By the way, one team in fast break points is way ahead of the rest of the field. We're going to get to them later. Start guessing now, and we'll see if you're right when we get to that point. No cheating. No going on the website. Um, This team is legitimately good when they're healthy. Dame looks like Dame, although he's dealing with a calf injury right now. Jeremy Grant was a really nice pickup. Anthony Simons is just freaking bawling right now. Josh Hart, 27th in the league in rebounding right now, averaging almost 10 a game. And then Shaden Sharp, who had a really rough night last night against Memphis, but he's looking like a future star, just absurd athleticism uh, on the wing. And then Gary Payton second should be coming back in a couple of weeks, which will bolster them on their perimeter defense. And then Justice Winslow kind of adds a, a, a real uh, interesting depth on the wing for them. Uh, if they stay healthy, which is a big if, I do think that they'll get out of the play-in in the West based on what I've seen. They just they leaned into uh, they leaned into perimeter defense around Dame, and and I think that was a smart way to go, giving him lots of wing athleticism to kind of cover for his own shortcomings. Number five, the Boston Celtics. They're four and three, but they had two OT losses to Cleveland that could have easily gone either way. Uh, they're eighth in offense right now, nineteenth in defense, tenth in net rating. Their defense hasn't been very good, uh, but I did just talk about that last night, so I'm not going to dig too far into it. I think it's easy to use Rob Williams as an excuse, but the reality is, is even with the personnel that they have, they should be defending better than they do. Uh, they did. I did think it was an interesting adjustment that last year in, in in the playoffs they were a horrific transition defense. And one of the things they've done so far this year is they've basically abandoned crashing the offensive glass to just get back on defense, which as a result has massively improved their transition defense. But their half-quarter defense has been the problem, which is kind of embarrassing for the level of talent that they have. Got to shout out Jason Tatum here. I called him the sixth best player in the league this summer, put him over Jokic and Embiid. Everybody called me insane. My whole take on it was like, You have to respect what he did in that playoff run, leading them to within two games of the title with outstanding defense and efficient scoring, and he was passing the ball pretty well for the most part. You have to acknowledge that. What I said was, if you just put Kawhi Leonard's name on the back of his jersey or Paul George's name on the back of his jersey, and he has that exact same playoff run, you're viewing him as one of the best superstars in the league. But because it's Jason Tatum and because there's a lot of anti-Celtics energy, especially with the large Laker fan base, he just gets kind of undermined in that respect. 
Um, I had a feeling that coming off of that playoff run, he'd have a lot of confidence and that he'd play with that confidence this year. And then the motivation of coming up short in that playoff run should push him to improve over the summer. And he's been one of the five best players in the league this season. Uh, like, yes, six over the summer might have been a push, but if you're grading players based on how they've played this season, he's easily in the top five. Last year, he averaged 27, 8, and 4. This year, that's up to 38 and 4. He's shooting a ridiculous 64% on twos, 38% on 8.3 three uh, point attempts. The biggest difference is he's massively improved at the rim and in mid range. Last year, he only made uh, just under four shots in the restricted area per game at 68%. This year, he's making five at 80%, which is borderline Giannis, LeBron, Zion type of production. I think Giannis and LeBron were both at like six and a half last year makes. So for Tatum to be up at five at 80% is really, really impressive. And then last year, he was 37% on 3.4 mid-range attempts, uh, mid-range attempts per game. This year, he's up to 53% on 2.4 attempts. I think a big part of this too is Rob Williams being out and just giving them more natural five-out spacing, which is opening up those driving lanes. As I've always said, I actually think the Celtics are a little bit better, if not the same, uh, with Robert Williams off as they are with him on. They just need to defend or, uh, defend better than they have to start this year. And then he he just Tatum just flashes these ridiculous superstar plays, like that dunk last night on Jared Allen, which was ridiculous, or his big-time block on Donovan Mitchell's pull-up jump shot to try to win the game. He had another kind of transition layup in OT last night where he looked like a freight train, like just freak athleticism. You're seeing him really start to grow into his body and just become a dominant two-way wing in this league. And then Jalen Brown, you're getting a career-high 26 points per game on 56% true shooting. And then Grant Williams, he know he bet on himself in his uh, negotiations, wanted more, uh, walked away from the table, and he's shooting 64% on catch-and-shoot threes this year. Now, is he going to shoot that well? Probably not. But if he can keep that in the you know high 40s, he might get that number that he's wanting next summer. So good for Grant Williams betting on himself. My favorite thing about the Celtics, and the reason why I'm such a big believer in them, is their matchup flexibility. Um, you know, even if you do happen to guard, have the right matchups to guard Tatum and Brown, just having Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon, two big, strong guards that can bully their way to the rim is a huge advantage. And that was a huge part of how they succeeded in crunch time last night, uh, against Cleveland to send that game to OT when Donovan Mitchell did everything in his power to try to take it away with shot making. Um, it, it, they just, they just have so many different directions they can go on both ends of the floor in terms of matchups, which gives them so much, um, upside in the playoffs. Number four, the Toronto Raptors, five and three, third in offense, eighth in defense, fourth in net rating. They kind of remind me of the 2020 Lakers cause they entirely depend on transition. So they're third in offense, but they're 24th and half court offense, according to cleaning the glass. And that's despite the fact that they continue to shoot way above their expected shot quality. They're shooting 42% on catch-and-shoot threes this year, which is second in the league. And don't get me wrong, I expect some incremental improvement from their roster, but that's not their strength. They're going to come back down to earth in their shooting. So their half-court offense is a legitimate issue, but they just get a ton of steals and they get out in transition nonstop. Do you guys remember earlier when I asked you who was number one in fast-break points scored per 100 possessions? Well, it's the Toronto Raptors. And while... <clears throat> Uh, they're up at 26 fast break points per 100 possessions. Second place was what? 17.6. So they have a massive lead in that department. They lead the league in steals. Uh, a couple guys to shout out. Pascal Siakam is, is an all NBA player to start this season. I talked about this a little bit last week, so I won't dig too far into it, but 
He's shooting pull-up twos really, really well, which is opening up his attacking lanes because defenders have to come out a little bit further on him. Gary Trent is shooting the ball really well. Scotty Barnes. What's impressing me the most with him is his passing ability. He's so good at backing his man down into the post, palming the basketball, and then throwing these like slingshot cross-court passes that hit uh, hit shooters in the in the shooting pocket. Kind of LeBron-esque passing out of the post here early in his career. Really impressive for a young player. He's averaging 4.4 assists on only 1.9 turnovers per game. Um, so obviously they're still massively performing their shot quality. That's going to come back down to earth. But then also Fred Van Vliet is shooting well below what you would expect from him. So I expect a little bit of positive regression there from him. The reality is with the Raptors is if you trap them in the half court, you'll beat them. They're 18th in half court defense because they overhelp too much when they don't need to, which I've talked about a bunch this year. And then they're 24th in half court offense. So if you can trap them in that setting, you're going to beat them. But the reality is, is teams haven't been able to. They're super long and athletic. They play the passing lanes. They're aggressive on the ball. They force a lot of turnovers. They get out in transition and they're getting baskets in transition. That's what kind of reminds me of the 2020 Lakers. Everyone was like, oh, they can't score in the half court. They can't score in the half court. And then it just never mattered because no one could score on them. And so they just kept getting out in transition and getting baskets. And so for now, regardless of how you feel about them in the half court, they belong among the top teams in the league. Number three, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're six and one. Seventh in offense, third in defense, third in net rating. We've talked about them twice in the last week, so I'm not going to spend too much time on them here today. But the short, quick synopsis is Donovan Mitchell looks amazing. That was a great pickup this summer. Um, He already has a pretty natural give and take with Garland based on what I saw in preseason and last night. Uh, uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are completely anchoring this defense right now, and they deserve a ton of credit. Their biggest question marks, the things that concern me, is what they're going to do at the three spot, whether or not they want to go defense or go with Dean Wade, especially in closing groups. I would go with defense personally, uh, especially with how well Donovan Mitchell is shooting in pull-up jump shooting situations, which are a little bit more immune to spacing concerns. Um, But that's one thing they got to figure out. And then Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland on defense. I don't know what to expect from Darius Garland because of his physical limitations, but Donovan Mitchell simply has to be better or they will get beat early in the playoffs. Donovan Mitchell had a couple of nightmare defensive possessions late in the game against Boston last night. Number two, the Phoenix Suns. You know, earlier uh, in the summer, I told you guys that I thought they'd still win a ton of games because they're super talented. And then they came out in the preseason and they looked a little rough. DeAndre Ayton in particular wasn't defending. And then they fell down huge to Dallas in their first game of the season. But then they came back and beat Dallas and then they've just beat everyone's ass ever since. They're 6-1, first in offense, fifth in defense, first in net rating. They lead the league in assists per game with 30. They're fifth fewest in turnovers. They defend the paint well. They defend in transition well. And then the big driving force behind this, because Chris Paul is having a pretty rough season in terms of his scoring. He's still passing the ball well. He's still generating good stuff in pick and roll. He's still making some big plays in crunch time. But Devin Booker is number two in my MVP rankings to start the season behind Giannis. He's averaging a career-high 28 points per game on 61% true shooting, which is outstanding. 47% on 11 pull-up jumpers per game, which is unbelievable. He's getting to the rim a lot. He's shooting 67% on five attempts in the restricted area per game. And he's not even really hitting his above-the-break threes yet. He's only hitting about a third of them. So that should tick up a little bit as well. And then he's been outstanding defensively. His favorite player growing up was Kobe. He had a good relationship with him. Kobe would be proud, very proud of the type of player that Devin Booker has become as a two-way competitor in this league. He's been certainly one of the five best players in basketball to start the season. I had him second in my MVP rankings, which we'll probably do a deeper dive into next week. 
Um, and it's really covering for the fact that CB3 hasn't been that good. The other guy I wanted to shout out here is Mikhail Bridges. He's uh, 69% on twos this year, which is just completely ridiculous. 47% on threes, 16 points per game. That's ridiculous efficiency, even for a role player. Um, he had a you know, and then defensively, he still is just one of the biggest like conundrums that uh, that he can present to other teams that you'll see in the league. There was a play uh, late in the game against Minnesota. I was watching the other night where Anthony Edwards was really in a good groove, and Anthony drives to the right, and Mikhail Bridges digs down off of the left wing and kind of contains the ball, and Ant picks up his dribble and pulls the ball out and throws a swing pass out to the corner. And Mikhail somehow recovers back out, sticks his arm out, and just snatches the basketball and starts a fast break the other way. How many players in the league can dig down off of the strong side one pass away and still get back to their man and steal the basketball? Just unbelievable stuff from him. I still have the same playoff concerns with the Suns, obviously. You know, will Devin Booker's pull-up jump shot continue to fall in the biggest moments? Will Chris Paul be effective? Can guys like Bridges and Ayton score when their stars can't, I don't know. Uh, but they're still one of the most talented rosters in the league, and they're just going to be a pain to beat every night, so they're going to win a lot of games. Number one, Milwaukee Bucks. 7-0 despite being down two starters, Chris Middleton and Pat Connaughton. 13th in offense, first in defense. First in defense by about three points per 100 possessions, which is a pretty solid margin. Second in net rating. The biggest difference... Uh, uh, can't talk. Biggest difference in their defense this year is they're not overhelping as much and they're staying home on shooters. Last year, they gave up more than 20 wide open threes per game, which was worst in the league. This year, they're only giving up about 15, which is sixth, sixth best in the league in terms of giving up wide open looks. Remember, wide open looks, according to NBA.com, is defender at least six feet away. Uh, so they stopped overhelping and they're just counting on Brooke and Giannis to just hold their own in these help situations around the rim. And they've both played like defensive players of the year, which unfortunately will cancel them out when it comes to that voting. Uh, but that's what's really driving their defense. They're still struggling to score in the half-court offensively. They're 18th, according to Cleaning the Glass in half-court offense. But getting Chris Middleton back and Pat Connaughton should help a ton with that, especially with their problems with spot-up shooting right now. Giannis is just having a ridiculous season. Over the summer, I told you guys that I thought he was the best player in the league by a wide margin. And I told you I thought he was a safe bet to win MVP at plus 700 because they would win a ton of games and he would put up the numbers. And he hasn't won in a couple of years and he lost the title last year. So motivation is just at a peak high. And uh, he still isn't making anything outside of the restricted area. He's 25% on above the, uh, above the break threes. He's over on corner threes, 30% in the mid-range and 32% in the paint outside the restricted area. But he is making a ridiculous... 9.7 shots per game in the restricted area at 79%. That's the highest mark that I have ever seen. Even higher than Zion in 2021 when he made 9 per game. And then in addition to that, he's a defensive player of the year candidate. Like I said, although I do think he'll get canceled out by Brooke. That's why I think Anthony Davis is in first place right now. And then he's also averaging a career high 2.3 offensive rebounds per game. Many on his own misses. So Giannis is whooping everybody's ass. The Bucks are whooping everybody's ass. I think he's going to win MVP. Everything is pointing me towards thinking the Bucks could win, be the real championship favorite, but I do want to give it a couple more weeks before I bail on Golden State. Um, Brooke and Drew in particular both deserve shout-outs as well. They're both defending like all defense guys. Drew Holiday is shooting 41% on five pull-up threes per game. He's got this really reliable like pound dribble between his legs step back that he's making at a high rate. And then Brooke Lopez is back to hitting over two threes per game 
for the first time in a long time. So, look, I, I think at this point, uh, uh, Brooke, uh, the Bucks are starting to look like that safe bet. But like I said, it's only been seven games, so we got to give it a little bit more time. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. As always, I sincerely appreciate your support. We'll be back tomorrow with one more film breakdown on some of tonight's games and Wednesday night's games that I didn't get to. And then we'll be off for the weekend. As always, I sincerely appreciate your guys' support, and I will see you tomorrow. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.